0: Hello, Two Principles podcast listeners. We are so grateful for all the support and appreciate you checking in with us wherever you listen to your podcast. We would love for you to follow, subscribe, and rate, review our podcast. You can also follow us on all of our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Two Principles. Check us out on the web at twoprinciples.com. We are so
1: grateful for our Two Principles podcast partners. HealthWise Behavioral Health and Wellness, as a team of experienced licensed psychologists, clinical therapists, medical professionals, and mind-body practitioners, HealthWise offers a wide range of mental health services for individuals of all ages. HealthWise is grounded in a philosophy that considers the whole person. We are excited to record our Two Principles podcast from the beautiful HealthWise Yoga and Wellness Studio located right here in Maple Grove, Minnesota. We want to
0: thank Green Boy Brand for helping us design our two principles, artwork and logo. They can help you customize your brand. If you're looking for an artwork, design, or logo, or some cool merchandise, check them out at greenboybrand.com. They have done work for schools, businesses, sports organizations, and everything in between. When you go with Green Boy, you're choosing to get a personal touch rather than a cookie cutter look.
1: Welcome to the Two Principles Podcast, where we help you get out of your head and into your heart.
0: The Two Principles Podcast, life and leadership talk inside and out. A better you makes for a better today. It starts with you.
2: I'm Josh Miller, and I'm hanging out with the Two Principles.
0: All right. Hey, uh, Josh, you got a a walk-up song, like a song that gets you fired up?
2: Yeah, why don't we keep with the walk up baseball theme? Let's go uh center field. You know that oh. song? Center field, yes I do. I,
0: I think I know that one. Yeah, you do, Kevin. You can Let's find see. that in our mix of music. I know you can. Yeah. Is that it?
2: There we go. There we go. Oh.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Bringing in Josh Miller, the little center pole. This is a good, this is perfect time too. Weather. It's a great Song. i gotta tell you josh that's fantastic man awesome fantastic hey kev you ready to go back there bud let's do it let's go hey let, let's go spread some good out in the podcast universe hey it's that time welcome to today's show as always super excited to be here today with my good friend kevin and we are super super excited to have josh miller on our show today i'm jason paris i'm kevin jost And we are the Two Principles, the Two Principles podcast, where we prioritize leadership, work-life balance, stress management, and mental health. Our goal is to equip everyday leaders with practical tools to maintain their overall health and to live out a more balanced and fulfilling life. Hey, thanks for tuning in today as we continue on this journey towards a healthier and happier you, one step at a time, one conversation at a time.
1: Hey, every episode, we will stay true to the Two Principles purpose we will consider the impact of our words and actions. We will be in the moment. We will stay present. We will give it our best today, and of course, we're always going to try to have a little bit of fun.
0: Hey, we're going to have some fun with Josh. He's a—I a, would call him a local boy from Maple Grove, and you know, we do our show right out of uh, Healthwise here in Maple Grove. So, and he's a grad of Maple Grove Crimson. We had Bart Becker on the show, as you know, Kevin. So we'll get—maybe we'll ask a Bart Becker question too to Josh on this. Yeah, so so let's get started here with just the the online clothing store. That's something we've been doing over the last month, and so we're excited about it. And one thing we would say about this is really what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise money for um, each guest organiz- organization. And so you do not have to purchase anything on the in, in the online store, but if you do, just know that anything you do purchase on the Two Principles online clothing store will go to Josh's. Uh, organization of choice. So I will just say this, um, Josh's store opens on May 31st and closes June 13th. Orders will be delivered the week of July 3rd. Again, profits from the Two Principles clothing store will go to an organization of Josh's choice. Josh has selected in sports. Josh, tell us a little bit about InSports and why you chose in sports.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on the show, and I'm uh, really excited to be here. The InSports Foundation does some phenomenal work. Their goal is to get kids in the game and really use sports as a great way to get people, young young students, uh, engaged, learn the important skills that come with teamwork and healthy levels of competition and sportsmanship, and everything that goes along with you know being able to go play sports as a kid. Uh, and so they do some great work with scholarships and other opportunities to help uh, kids have the opportunity to go and uh, make sports a part of their life growing up.
0: That, that is so cool and fantastic. So again, uh, listeners, if you want to go directly to InSports and donate, we'd encourage you to do that support the in sports uh, organization. And uh, again, any money that we raise from the two principles clothing store during May 24th to June 6th, it's going to go directly to in sports again. So, Hey, Josh, thanks a lot for that. And, Uh, let's try to raise some money for in sports. All right. So Kevin, let's introduce this guy here that we're super excited about.
1: Yeah, we have, like we said, we have Josh Miller on the show. Uh, Josh is a junior at Northwestern university studying journalism, economics, and entrepreneurship. He is the founder and CEO of deciding edge investment banking intern for multiple companies. Uh, He's worked with the Northwestern Golf Team as well as the Minnesota Golf Association and Twin Cities Business Magazine. Uh, Josh, thanks for being here. We appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, uh, tuning in with us remotely today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, uh, gentlemen, for having me on. And uh, you know, so from for some added context. Um, Principal Paris Jason, uh, so his son Blake and I uh, went to school together. We're very good friends. We spent a lot of time on the golf course together. Um, just a great guy. So really excited to come and uh, to come and do this and join you for a little bit of time here today. That's
0: cool. Yeah, he was he was uh, he actually called me today too and wanted to make sure that I had a couple questions for you. He was so Josh, you're gonna get some questions that Blake wants to make sure uh, that you answer. But yeah, he he is uh, he was excited, and I know you guys have a good connection and. Uh, he thinks very highly of you and you're we're pulling you out of are we pulling you out of a class or anything like that right now? What's going on on campus?
2: Yeah, no. So the timing was good here this afternoon. My uh, Thursday afternoons tend to be a little bit open. It's a Thursday afternoon here today. Um, what's going on on campus? You know, right now, busy with, so it's our spring quarter here at Northwestern. Um, and given my uh, chosen academic path of economics, journalism, entrepreneurship, have a variety of classes along those lines, uh, and I'm really just enjoying uh, college and, and the university experience here and uh, getting exposure to being just outside of Chicago has been a lot of fun here at Evanston. Um, getting some big Ten sports here as well and just mm-hmm. having a really uh, good experience here so far.
0: Wildcats, baby, That's right? awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, Wildcat. yeah. They just got a uh, a, a new quarterback yesterday, uh, the, oh. the transfer over from Cincinnati. Um, oh, I don't okay. know if you saw this, but uh, Northwestern had more first-round draft picks this last year than wins in America. Uh, they were 1-11 <laughs> last year, but uh, the one win coming over in Ireland over the Nebraska Cornhuskers yeah. to kick off the season. Uh, Peter Skaranski, uh, offensive lineman, went number eleven to the Titans. So school is good go. at uh, <laughs> producing NFL talent, at winning football games. It's a little, it's a little iffy. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Hey, we do have what we call on the show the random question of the show. And last last uh, week's episode question uh, was: if you could trade places with a band member for a day, who would it be?
2: If I could trade places with a band member, a single yeah, band, a band member, member. For a day. A
0: single band member just for a day. Somebody that, you know,
2: who would it be? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't really follow, you know, bands too closely. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know if I'm necessarily the right person to be answering this question. Um, but if I had to switch places with a band member for a day. Oh, it's a great question or a um, singer or yeah. a singer anything yeah. around that realm yeah. yeah um why don't you give me a kendrick lamar let's, 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 let's see what kendrick oh. lamar's life is like for a day
0: hmm. okay kendrick lamar okay that's awesome very cool
1: i was the same cool. way josh i could I'm, I'm not a music guy i don't i don't yeah. follow the music scene so i i, I struggled to.
0: that's okay you know what though that's always fun just yeah. to catch.
1: sometimes just put yourself yeah you could put
0: yourself out there a little bit like that all right so this this episode's question. Is not a, it's not a new question, but I'm sticking with it because I have to find out at some point that a college student may or may not do this, but Josh, (laughs) do you make your bed when you're at college?
2: I give myself a kind of a twice a week kind of, uh, kind of average. So <laughs> normally no, um, but if I have some time and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm, I, I feel like I need a new environment then, then yes, but I'm not going to come out and pretend like I do it every morning. No, right now it's well, not well, and it's Are not there certain, time, yeah. are there
1: certain days of the week that you do it? If you do it, <laughs> um, or is there no pattern know, there? I, I
2: I no no real pattern and, and yeah. you know going to be a good habit to try to get into here as I you know exit exit college uh, but, hey, but right now I'd say I'm averaging about twice a week
0: hey you know what your mom or you know whoever's listening might be happy that you're doing it once or twice a week so nice job there bud. Yeah. oh thanks so. appreciate it appreciate it I'll take yeah. it all right. All right. Hey, let's get into some questions, let's, Kev. Yeah.
1: Let's uh Josh, I'm super excited to learn more about you. I've I've heard about you from from Blake, and and it sounds like you are doing some extremely interesting things. And so um why don't you just give us a little bit of background? Um, you know, where'd you grow up? We already talked about that a little bit. Uh your major at Northwestern, why that major, why Northwestern, um, the things that you're involved with there. Talk about, you know, I know there's a whole Uh, connection with the golfing scene, um, you know, and then balancing differences between journalism uh, and econ investment banking and and all that. You've kind of got your, I don't know, it's kind of an (laughs) eclectic little uh, interest uh, group there. So just give us a little bit of a a bird's eye view who you are. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, you, you hit it right on the head there, there Kevin, when you talk about it's an eclectic mix of backgrounds and things Um, But that's how I like it. I love learning by doing, getting exposure to new things, new people, new ideas, new opportunities. Um, So let's go back to the beginning here. And I'm going to start where I think I I kind of, um, you know, started my life sort of career trajectory. Um, And we'll talk about in fourth grade. And I was elected to the Basswood Elementary in Maple Grove, Minnesota, (laughs) uh, Student Council. Um, And I was a kid. That's where it started. And (laughs) as a kid, um, you know, I would be the one wearing uh, my suit and tie for my Thursday morning student council <laughs> meeting, right? Um, oh my and gosh, and, awesome. and I, I love that. I, I kind of ate it up and, and really enjoyed that um, and was very lucky. And I'll give a shout out to, uh, I'm not sure if either of you know uh, Patrick Smith. Uh, but Yes, he, we do. Um, so he's a great guy. And so he uh, really kind of took notice of, of me back when I was at elementary school at Bassett Elementary. Um, and so we were very involved in a program back at that time called Fuel Up to Play 60. And not sure mm-hmm. if either of you are football fans, but sometimes yep. on Sundays you'll see the Play 60 logo on the field. Um, and at the time, then it still is a very active and the largest in-school health and wellness program in the nation. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of investment, a lot of opportunity, a lot of uh, a lot of thought given to you know the mission that they were on, um, especially you know with uh, uh, Michelle Obama and a lot of conversation on childhood obesity, childhood wellness. Um, and so when I was you know back in elementary school, um, both Mr. Smith and I were very involved in uh, that program. And one of the things that I got out of that program was I applied for a grant uh, and won it. And as part of winning this uh, grant, I got to fly out to Omaha, Nebraska as a fifth grader and go and spend an hour with Warren Buffett. Um, and oh, so that wow. was a pretty, you know, ridiculous experience for a fifth grader to have. And it really opened my eyes to the opportunities that exist, you know, in the real world and um, gave me a real appreciation at a very early age and gave me role models in the world of business and entrepreneurship and finance. And so fast forward a couple of years, um you know, ending middle school, starting high school, and realized that I had a real interest in you know going and kind of playing in the corporate world and and seeing what that was like. I was I've always been very entrepreneurial. and you know came to the conclusion, which at the time, which I think was a pretty you know prescient conclusion, that the only real value that I could offer anybody at that point in my life, um, was using you know my age as an advantage rather than a weakness in the sense that the you know perspectives of people in you know middle school, high school tend mm-hmm. to be overlooked in the world of in the, the corporate world. Um, mm-hmm. And so I decided to start a company called the Siding Edge. Um, And built it into a firm. And we went through uh, an acquisition with a lovely firm called XYZ uh, University, where I joined them uh, to head up their director uh, to head up their Generation Z department. But my job was to work with organizations across industries, industry groups, to really help them think about what the emergence of my generation meant for, you know, their organization or their industry. Um, and, uh, I was speaking at conferences all over the country, had a lot of great opportunities. Um, and what I loved about that work was the traveling, the speaking, the getting Mm -hmm. out in the world and then come 2020 and COVID hit. Um, and it was a great opportunity for, to kind of, you know, um, you know, at the time with with COVID, obviously a lot of that, you know, kind of came to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. And that was a great opportunity for me to step back and reflect about, you know, what I really wanted out of this, you know, career and and life thing, Um, and was very lucky to uh, have been admitted to Northwestern University, which has been an amazing experience. Um, It was actually the only journalism school that I applied to everywhere out there, college I applied to was business, economics, finance, um, solely. And the reason that I applied to the journalism school here at Northwestern um, is uh, Northwestern Journalism is one of the more renowned journalism mm-hmm. schools that exists, um, and some really you know great opportunities, great classes, and I figured that you know I had a real opportunity to put a more unique twist on an educational experience that would really position me to um, you know, have a really impactful career when I am both in college and have left college. As I think about the power of combining the skill of knowing how to tell a really effective and compelling narrative, Alongside having a strong foundational knowledge of economics and finance and business and entrepreneurial concepts. And to think about, you know, if you can tell a compelling story with all that other stuff, you can mm-hmm. do a lot of really powerful things. And so I came to Northwestern, um, got very involved in, you know, a variety of student clubs, ranging from finance clubs, I did a lot of sports journalism. Um, and, you know, one of the more interesting projects that I've ever uh, gotten to do um, was over COVID uh, in, in the summer before leaving to college. I got very involved and spent a lot of time playing golf because that was really all that there was mm-hmm. to do. I'm going to give a quick shout out to the uh, Youth on Course program that's hosted by the Minnesota Golf Association, which is five dollar rounds of golf uh, for mm-hmm. those 18 and under. So um, <laughs> if you are 18 or under, your kids are 18 and under, go sign up for that. Awesome opportunity to get into a game. Um, And, you know, uh, we really got into it over over COVID summer like a lot of other people did. And so I then what I decided to do is uh, send a cold email to the Minnesota Golf Association, um, essentially pitching them an idea to have me travel the state of Minnesota my freshman summer of college, (laughs) um, play 100 golf courses, travel 5000 miles. Um, and put together a whole social media campaign kind of detailing that entire experience. Um, we based it off of the Wisconsin state golf association um, was doing the same thing. Um, so I saw that and thought if they're doing that over in Wisconsin, why can't we do that here in Minnesota? We have some awesome golf here in Minnesota too. Um, and the MGA went for it. They're a great organization. Um, and we had a very successful campaign. It was called the driving Mm -hmm. Minnesota golf tour. Um, and you know, for a summer I was lucky enough to kind of be the face of, of Minnesota golf and, and, and really get, um, all that was great about Minnesota golf into you know the the minds of folks my age. Uh, and that's a problem. Getting, with golf consistently. You're had.
1: getting paid.
2: Yes, I'll never have a job like it again so in my life. <laughs>
0: I, I remember Josh. I remember oh gosh, you so doing cool. this, and I remember. I think Blake might have jumped in on a few with you too uh during during that time. Yes. But or to play to play with you, but I remember him going, and I'm like, "What?" So I remember that whole story. But how cool was that, Kevin? So you, what do you think about you that? You
1: figured out a way at what what age? 19, 18, 19. Yeah, yep, yeah. 18, 19 to say, "Hey, I, I want to." There's nothing else to do. I want to play golf. <laughs> And I'm gonna get paid to play a hundred rounds of golf all over the state of Minnesota. It's brilliant! Yeah, um, yeah, that's you know pretty, I, that's pretty cool. It it
2: was it was a good gig uh, without a doubt. Um, but you know I I uh, went back to the MGA uh, last summer and did a little bit of a lighter thing so I could do some other projects as well. But you yeah. know we continued to kind of build the brand that that we had built. Um, and, you know, I would say that that is really a great example of the kind of attitude which, with which I try to identify and make opportunities and kind of take a real entrepreneurial nature to, um, you know, opportunities and experiences that I think, you know, for me would be very cool to have, of course, but also think about how I can add value. Um, sure, you know, uh-huh. you think about right now, you know, pre 20, 21, where the Minnesota Golf Association was trying to engage, um, you know, with with younger people, and it's gonna be a lot of billboards, I have the Minnesota Golf Show, yeah. all great things. But, you know, it was a real win win. And in terms of, you know, an investment per dollar and who we were able to reach, um, it made a lot of sense for them, too. And so trying to find ways to really, you know, prove out that value, identify key performance indicators, things like that, that allowed us to, you know, it's a crazy idea on its head to go pay a kid to play golf for for three months. (laughs) But how do we make sure that there's value in that too for everybody involved? And so a really Mm -hmm. good experience there. Um, Then I've had, you know, a few other internships, couple of investment bank internships, venture capital internships, the kind of, you know, really see what it's like to, you know, interact with a variety of industries and organizations different functions um and uh so then this upcoming well actually let's stay kind of in the golf world for a second um after the minnesota golf association experience i was uh connected to the northwestern golf program which is a really elite you know college golf program um some notable yes. alumni that you may have heard of the northwestern golf program uh luke donald who's going to be the european rider cup captain matt fitzpatrick um who won the us open this last season
0: and you interviewed um, yeah. you interviewed Matthew Fitzpatrick, didn't you?
2: Yeah, so I was fortunate to be able to actually sit down with Matt Fitzpatrick and uh, Luke Donald. Um, so really oh, cool wow. experiences, cool. and uh, we were able to actually do those interviews down at the at the Grove Twenty Three, which is Michael Jordan's uh, course down in Florida. Mm. Um, so a pretty cool <laughs> opportunity to go ahead and and, and mm. do that. Um, but I mean, it's a pretty legitimate program. They have five guys currently on the PGA Tour from Northwestern, um, and you know, from a cold weather school. Um, Mm -hmm. That is hard to do. They have just an incredible indoor practice facility right here on campus that might be, you know, one of the, if not the top indoor practice facilities in the country uh, uh, for golf. Um, And so you have Northwestern, you have Illinois in the Big Ten, and then there's kind of everybody else. Um, And so interesting how schools, you know, like Northwestern and Illinois are able to compete with the Oklahomas and Floridas and Texases um, uh, that are, you know, probably better weather-wise for somebody uh, to, to, you know, go spend a couple of years. But college golf is a really interesting, you know, area. And it's one of the only sports where it's a really common path for PGA players to go play college golf as long as they can beforehand. Because when you think about the path of a professional golfer, when you go turn pro, all of your expenses, they're on you. It's right. a um you you only win if you make money. There's no contracts to the team assigning you to. And so getting access to play great courses, great competition, great tournaments, all while getting an education where the university is footing the bill, it's a really, really, you know, great opportunity. And so what Northwestern's actually been able to do, and and, and you'll see, uh, and, and um, you know, you look at uh, Luke Donald, Matt Fitzpatrick, they're both from England. Um, last week was the Big Ten Championship, and Northwestern had a freshman from Sweden go and, and win the Big Ten. Last year, mm-hmm. there was another Northwestern golfer from Sweden who went and, and won the Big Ten. And so they've really found a way to go and kind of corner the market of, you know, um, Europe and, 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 and uh, build a reputation. Northwestern is a great place for those golfers to come in and uh, develop professionally. Um, and it's, it's, it's really pretty interesting to think about, you know, college golf and the college sports landscape as well and how that's changed. Um, especially as it relates to you know, professional golf and, uh, and all the, the, the things that have happened within pro golf over the last year with Live mm-hmm. and PGA and you know, mm-hmm. making it a little bit easier for college players to go you know, make it on the PGA Tour. It's a really interesting world. Um, and so my job for Northwestern Golf for the last couple of years has been to really head up their social media marketing efforts and tell that story. Um, and, and, and make sure that we're, you know, making it an attractive destination for recruits, highlighting success, highlighting the quality of the coaches and the facilities, um, and really making sure that the program continues to stay on a path to success.
0: Hmm. That is so cool. And just the number of people, like just in the short amount of time that we've already talked to you. And I know some of it because of through Blake and, uh, that kind of stuff, but just the, the listeners to know, I mean, you're what, 21 years old.
2: Yes. Yeah, yep. 21.
0: 21. So Josh, you're 21 years old. You've been featured on TV. You've been in articles. You've been on the radio, other outlets, along with all your speaking engagement. You've, you've met some several high profile people. If I could ask you or Kevin, and I could ask you what has been your favorite experience thus far with all of that. Yeah. And then maybe what have you learned from, I mean, Because there's a lot of twenty-one year olds who do not have this experience. There's a lot of fifty-year-olds, that forty-year-olds that don't have this experience. So, what what has been your favorite experience, and then what have you learned from those experiences?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it's interesting, Jason, when when you talk about you know kind of the age thing, and you know, I, I luckily have been able to accomplish and do up until this point. Um, and also to think about you know what that dude does to somebody mentally, right, in terms of mm-hmm. how do you continue to not let, you know, success, you know, blind you into in the future? Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. use one opportunity to leverage it into another one? How do I keep advancing, keep putting myself in environments and in positions where I'm continuing to be pushed and I have people around me that aren't afraid to tell me like that's not good enough? Um, and and so that's been a really core focus for me, especially here, you know, at, at Northwestern and why I'm deciding to kind of go down the career paths that, that, that I am. Um, which we can get into as well to answer your question more directly, you know, some specific experiences. Uh, one of the cooler things that I've gotten to do was through the few love to play 60 um, uh, organization that, that I was just sharing and that uh, allowed me to go and meet with Warren Buffett. There was also a couple other opportunities. Um, one of which was a meeting at NFL headquarters to really bring together mm-hmm. a lot of um, a lot of big time players and, um, In the world of sports and entertainment and health, Uh, and I was able to uh, sit next to Roger Goodell for about three hours and build Mm -hmm. and build a great connection (laughs) uh, uh, with him. Um, Then was able to meet him again about a year later at a gala that uh, with with the the organization um, that we were both uh, speaking at. And so, um, you know, just to have exposure to somebody like that, and uh, Mm -hmm. I'll give you an insight. Um, Roger Goodell's wife's favorite team is the Minnesota Vikings. And so (laughs) when we were there, um, he was asking me what I thought about Christian Ponder, because those were the Christian Ponder years. Oh, yeah. Um, All those. Yeah. And and so I would have to say that uh, in terms of, you know, last week's the (laughs) NFL draft, and you're seeing him come out and announce names and just really, really interesting um, to be able to kind of reflect back on that experience. And it feels a a little bit more personal.
0: Oh, for sure. And to be able to, you know, the the NFL commissioner and spend that time. Uh, how cool is that? So awesome experiences. Hey, really, I want to touch on this too. Um, you were featured on WCCO as a Minnesotan to meet, right? I remember that. Am I correct on that or am I, am I off on yes, that?
2: Yes, 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 you are correct.
0: So what was that? I mean, tell, tell the listeners about that too. Like, uh, what I mean, what, what were they... Tell the listeners why WCCO picked you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, um, you know what I would contribute this to is to you know the power of a school, um, really helping students, um, you know, advance on their paths and and really excel. And the reason I say that is because that opportunity wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for the district 279 media relations office, um, that kind mm-hmm. of put that together and was able to advocate for me to go get, the, to go, uh, uh, get those experiences. Um, and so the reason, you know, why I think that they were interested in kind of my story and what I had to say, uh, you know, it, at that point, it was the very early stages of, of my first business, uh, deciding edge. Um, Mm -hmm. And we were, you know, I would say that back at at that stage, I think I was in ninth grade, I was 16 or so, maybe even younger than that. I don't don't know if I had my driver's license yet. Um, And there was a real sense of uh, naivete that I experienced in the sense that, you know, there is a fearlessness that comes when you don't have a fear of rejection, because you don't understand Mm -hmm. the stakes. Um, yeah. and I have found that as I get older, as I get more exposure to the real world, that kind of the entrepreneurial fire gets dimmed a little bit because you're scared of the stakes of what happens when you go, when it goes wrong, not even just necessarily, you know, from a financial perspective, but from a reputational perspective in terms of, you know, what are you giving up when you put yourself out there? I say this because I was able to really, you know, get ahead with my business back in high school because I didn't have that fear. And so I've thought a lot about that, you know over the last several years. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the actual piece of content itself, it was a really you know, well-done piece. Uh, um, and, uh, and you know who the reporter was? It was a woman named uh, Allie Lucia. Uh, I think I pronounced oh, her last yeah. name right. And her father yeah. was uh, Don Lucia, the head uh, coach mm-hmm. of, the, of, uh, of the Minnesota Gopher hockey team. And uh, if I remember correctly, the package started off with me doing homework in my science classroom. Um, and then they pulled me out of my science classroom. My, my classmates were clapping or cheering or whatever. Great experience. Um, and then before they, they pulled, she pulled me out and, and, and we did the interview, um, you know, walking through the halls of Maple Grove Senior High and uh, really kind of just talking about, you know, what it was that we were trying to accomplish. And uh, I'll have to pull up the exact quote, but, you know, the, the, the piece ended with something along the lines of, you know, I, I know that this is what I said. I know that if I keep working hard and you know thinking differently and I'm not afraid to take an unconventional path, that I'll be successful. And so I look back on that and I really think, you know, how do I continue to live by that, by that statement? Um, so that, you know, you don't necessarily fall into fall into a trap of, you know, ego or fall into a trap of, you know, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, normalcy, but always striving for for something more and for something different.
1: Jason, I, 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 gotta jump in. I, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to pick my jaw, my jaw. I told you it, it it's, I'm in awe, Josh. I mean, this is, don't take this the wrong way, but this is not normal. Like this is not the normal path that a fourth grader embarks upon at nine or 10 years old. And, and so, I mean, it is just, I'm, I'm in complete awe because I mean, there's most you know adults in their in their mid 40s and 50s that that don't think like this. And um, do you think this is a generational thing? Do you think there's a connection between just you happen to grow up in the right era, um, or 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 is it? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I know you speak to your your time in in elementary school. Um, that individual you, you mentioned, uh, Patrick Smith, was that a teacher? Principal. Oh, that was awesome. He was the principal of Basswood at the
2: time. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, do you really look at that and, and is that the single moment? Was that the single catalyst was your experience with, with Mr. Smith?
2: So it's, it's interesting, right? Because. Um, well, first of all, Kevin, those, those words are, are are very kind. I I appreciate it. And, you know, there are pros and cons that come with, you know, kind sure. of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, in the sense of I, I do pride myself on being a very, you know, genuine and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And all I mean, everything that you're hearing. Humble, from, too. I, I, very I, humble, I mean, I mean lo, lo, like this is me, right? And so yeah. sometimes, um, you know, when I don't necessarily have the time to really build a relationship with someone, they can come off a little bit um, you know, uh, uh, not real authentic, but, sure. but it, it, it really is. Well, and, just and so, so we're so...
1: clear, that's how you're coming off as extremely humble and extremely authentic to me. I mean, this is, well, thank yeah. you.
2: I, yeah. I appreciate it. And so to, to, to ask, answer your question, um, Bob Iger, who's the, the CEO, former CEO, not former current, whatever of, of Disney, Um, He he wrote a a book, an autobiography, and the book ended with, I I never lost sight of my inner child. Mm -hmm. And so I think about the things and the excitement and kind of the world being so open and expansive and so much opportunity. And I still remember driving to the airport for that meeting. And passing by Best Buy headquarters on, on, on 494 and holiday mm-hmm. headquarters on 494 and thinking about like, wow, like those are really amazing businesses. I was beginning to mark, you know, I, I had a point where you gave me a Fortune 500 company. I could probably name where their corporate headquarters were because that was mm-hmm. what was interesting to me. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't know if I can necessarily point, you know, why that is, um, yeah. but it just it, it just always has has been. Um, and I think it's a combination of, you know, the role that really strong companies play in their communities and uh, the role of, you know, I, I, I believe that, you know, in terms of having a really strong, effective society, a lot of things go into that. Um, and 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 you know having really strong organizations um, is is crucial and why I'm so grateful you know for example that I grew up in Minneapolis because it's such a great example of a city that has great companies great mm-hmm. brands great people great education um, you know I I really am grateful to have grown up where I did. Um, and so to you know, really more directly answer your, answer your question in terms of was that single moment with Mr. Smith the Catalyst, um, you know, it was a very formative experience. And I can yeah. still very clearly think about you know, walking into Buffett's office and you know, even the hotel room um, that, that I stayed in. And you know all of those things because it was just so um, you know special, and I think I recognized what a different and special opportunity it was. And so thinking about you know the opportunities that come from that, um, I, I'm always thinking about you know what's next, what's bigger, what's going to allow me to really you know earn my place in the room because I have role models for you know really strong leaders. Um, and, 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 so I'm not quite sure if that answers the question, but y- yes, mm-hmm. I, I, I try to be as, you know, optimistic and enthusiastic about the future as possible because that's what kind of got me here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> man. <laughs> so I, I know it's, it's fantastic. I love it. And so Josh, when you're talking about, um, you know, the interactions you've had with, you know, business leaders and all that stuff, in your opinion, uh, What do you think business leaders are looking for when they're doing their hiring?
2: Well, trust me, having just gone through, you know, a pretty intensive recruitment process coming out of college, I asked myself the exact same question. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it, especially nowadays, comes down to the type of role. And, okay. uh, and and this is interesting. It's an interesting you know segue potentially to talk about you know my newest project that I'm working on, which is called Project 50. And our mission at Project 50 is to help organizations design more meaningful early career experiences. Whether it's your first job at a college, whether it's your internship program, um, you know th- there's a real crisis right now in terms of disengagement as it relates to junior employees. Uh, only yes. 13% of junior employees consider themselves to be mentally well at their job, uh, and now, that's a real crisis because that's numbers not getting any better. And so, as I think about you know what business leaders should be looking for when it comes to um, you know hiring the, the the next generation of great talent, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One, I think you have to have a really good combination of living in you know detail while simultaneously not losing sight of the big picture. And this is something that I um, you know am hoping to really develop. I am somebody that is. I, I consider myself to be a really creative you know visionary type of thinker and that i really enjoy thinking about ideas and opportunities the more challenging part for me, and this is where I need to be spending a lot of my time, is in, you know, the details and in the execution to kind of take those guesses uh, and inferences and to actually back them up with things. And so as I think about for me, you know, why even as entrepreneurially minded of an individual as I am, but I think it's important to go in and start my career in a more traditional path in terms of, you know, an investment in banking for, or, or financial services role, is because you're forced to spend a lot of time in the you're supposed to spend a lot of time and in, in, uh, in a lot of time, you know, you are the one closest to the numbers when you are the junior person on somebody on a, M&A, on a, a, a deal team. And so it's really going to, I hope, force me to develop a much stronger analytical sense. Um, and and really develop you know those foundations and why I'm studying economics here at Northwestern because I I, I feel as though those skill sets are also really important to actually have meaningful impact. Um, you can have the best ideas in the world, you can have the you can be as visionary as you want, but it doesn't matter unless you can execute them and unless you can put teams around you that can execute them. Um, and and so that's kind of how I look at. Managing the difference between high-level and you know detail-oriented thinking, and knowing when to toggle back and forth between the two. Um, second thing that I think that organizations do look for and should be looking for is an element of adaptability, coachability, and a real kind of self-starter you know mentality. Um, in the sense that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? And so it's I know that's a little bit of a cliche that i just uh, threw at you guys um, No, but, but th- those
0: are th- those are true that's real life though too yeah
2: yeah and so it's less about you know the hard tangible skills and more about you know are you coachable can you learn those skills um that's hard because that's hard to measure in an interview um and but i think that you know somebody with you know real work experience of real entrepreneurial experience um that that's that's very much so a value add um and yeah, you know, there, there's always other things as well. And, I, and, and I, I've thought a lot recently about, you know, the kind of common conception uh, or something that's been thrown around where, you know, C students or, or A students work for B students or companies owned by C students. Um, and think about, is that true or not? And I, I don't know. Um, there are certainly skills that you develop by doing really well in school by being able to follow directions and being able to, you know, meet deadlines and do things the right way. But there's also a lot of intelligence that we fail to measure. And so mm-hmm. and so I, I I, those are conversations that I think are worth diving deeper into. Hmm,
0: totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Go ahead. I go have a ahead, quick Kevin. follow
1: up, and I'm just again, I'm I'm thinking back to your childhood, and I'm thinking about all the opportunities that you took advantage of, and and the things that came along came your way. How was how did your family play a role in all that? How did they yeah. support you? How 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 was that? What was that experience like?
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, I'm very lucky, right? Where I have an extremely supportive, you know, family who kind of recognize some of these opportunities and, um, you know, I've never really been told no in the sense of, Josh, no, no, you shouldn't go start that LLC or you shouldn't go engage with this company. Um, because I, I think there was always a real kind of sense that if I was going to fail, I was going to fail by learning and, and, and doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I, I would say that my, my my parents in particular did a great job of both um recognizing that, you know, I wanted to go and take these opportunities, but also making sure that I was, you know, a kid too.
1: Um,
2: You know, I I played sports growing up. I had friends growing up. I went to school. I I did, Mm -hmm. you know, very, I I went to homecoming and prom, right? Like I got all those experiences. Um, And, you know, I, I had competitors, for example, with, you know, the Gen Z um, consulting stuff who chose not to go to college and just continue going on the road and speaking. I just don't know how I could have justified that to myself in the sense of in order to actually you know, add value, and, and especially in that world where um, you know, you're proving that you can or trying to prove that you can add insight into your you know, generation, you've got to be among your generation. You've got to live the life that most people are living. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so it's very important to me as well to have a semblance of you know, normal life, too. Um, and, and so I, I felt like my parents, my family, my, my, my sister, my grandparents, all, you know, I, I, I was lucky in that I had a great balance of everything. Um, and that, you know, I, if I was ever getting, you know, my, my sister, for example, um, can talk to me like nobody else in the world can. Right. Um, and, and, and so we, and so she's able to, you know, rib me a little bit and, and, and I appreciate (laughs) that. And, and that's kind of our, our relationship. And so good to have those kind of centering things.
1: That's great. That's great to hear. That's, We're going to hey, hey go ahead, yep. Kev. Yeah, I want
0: to switch it up here because one of the big things that uh, we talk a lot about, and, and Josh, we've shared this with you, is just overall health, right? Taking care of yourself, becoming the best version of yourself. And when I'm hearing you speak and I'm hearing you do all this stuff, especially when we talk about leaders, how are leaders taking care of themselves? Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you are not going to be able to you know, output or do all the great things that you want to do because your health may not be, you know, as well as it can be. So when you think of your overall health, what does being a leader in your health and wellness look like to you, Josh?
2: Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, I've done a lot of thinking and and kind of acting upon this. There's, of course, the physical stuff, right? Go outside, get fresh air, go for walks, try to eat healthy, try to work out, all, all all of those things. Find enjoyable activities that are also good for you. Um, You know, I love playing pickup basketball. I love going out and walking golf when I can, playing tennis, Mm -hmm. um, all of those things. But, you know, one of the things that I really have had to grapple with over the last several months in particular is balancing, you know, the intensity level that building a startup company requires or being a really good, and I, I mean, I'm going into an industry in, in terms of investment in banking where, you know, 80 hour work weeks are the norm, right? Because right, you dude. have to outwork the person next to you. Not that's the healthiest thing ever, but, you know, for, I'm excited to have that experience and kind of see if I can take it and hang. Um But what I've really kind of come to the conclusion, and especially this has been lost for a lot of us as we people are working from home more, there's a sense of work-life balance that I am still trying to grapple with. Um, you know, being a student, when I have a couple classes a day, I have meetings all the time. I have home. Oh, I mean, it, most nights I'm up finishing an assignment at 1 a.m. Let's do at 9 a.m. the next morning. Not necessarily because you know I have to, but just because that's kind of the way that I operate here um, at mm-hmm. Northwestern. In the sense of like my and, and it's nice where my really only responsibilities right now are are me. And so I don't necessarily have to um, factor, you know family or factor other things into my day-to-day, I can be a lot more flexible with that. Um, but that's kind of a recipe for burnout. And uh, I, I think about how I can be more intentional about, you know, the intensity with which I'm kind of living my life so that I don't burn out. Um, you know, at, at the beginning of this year, one of my you know New Year's resolutions was to follow uh, what, what's been called the 85% principle. And so the 85% principle is, when uh, the some United States track coach told, their, uh, told the runners to run at 85%, they actually ran faster because they were able to leave a little bit of room on the top to focus on form, to focus on breathing, to focus on other things other than just intensity. You know, great ideas and creativity comes from a little bit of boredom and a little bit of creativity. Um, and mm-hmm. so I'm trying to, you know, reignite that in my life even though it's very easy to be swallowed up by all of the deadlines and all the work that has to be done. Um, The other challenge too is, you know, when I'm building a a business that I'm really passionate about, I love what I'm doing. You don't feel like you need time off. The problem Mm -hmm. then is that what that does is that it, uh, it, it, it can drag into other relationships um, you know, mm-hmm. I uh, last week, you know, I, I had one particular day where I was particularly busy, particularly locked in and intense because we had just you know, closed some meeting um, and I texted a couple of friends afterwards and each of them responded back to me um like you are texting like uh no offense to you two a 40 50 year, uh, 50 <laughs> year old man right
1: what, what uh, does that look like what's what what a text what's that you know you sh- short
2: straight to the point very efficient how i like communicating because that is how i communicate you That's know so during, funny. during the day and so what that did is it forced me to kind of realize like okay let's let's take a step back let's find an off switch it's hard for me to find that off switch sometimes yeah. um and so you know I'll give you an example of kind of what I did you know last week to uh to Kind of rectify re- rectify this is uh, so I'm uh, Jewish as my faith here, um, and so I uh, have been doing a kind of class with you know our, our Jewish faith center here at Northwestern on how to host a really strong sh- a really good Shabbat dinner. So it's Friday night, let mm. make some food, you know, bring people over to your house, whatever it might be. Um, and it was a really great change of pace for me to actually spend Friday, you know, cooking and going to the grocery store. And, you know, feeling about that I was actually doing something for other people and kind of a social setting. And so it made me realize that in order to really have my edge, you know, the rest of the time, recharging is important and doing those Mm -hmm. things are important. Um, It's it's not a waste of time. It's an investment of time so that the rest of your time you can be better and sharper. And so it's a work in progress for me, right? Where I I have a level where I work in spurts, where I'm locked in, where I really reach a level of intensity. The question then is how do you turn that off when, when necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to get better at it every day.
1: I love that you mentioned how much you enjoyed slowing down and that connection piece with other people. I mean, when you think about it, the act of providing nourishment, to another human being I mean think about that I mean come to my place where I live and I'm going to provide you the very thing that gives you life <laughs> there's mm-hmm. subconsciously I think there's something that that you know that's where that connection comes in. I, just, I love that you realize that
2: it's cool completely I I, yeah. I just started a book I don't remember who who wrote it uh, but it's called the art of gathering or like why we gather. Yeah. Um, Ooh. and whether it's a dinner or a meeting or the podcast that we're doing right now, yeah. what is the subconscious purpose of that? Why are we doing this? And so Ooh. to really be intentional about why we're bringing people together and, and when, especially, I mean, I'm sure you two, you have meetings all day long, you have conferences yeah. mm-hmm. and things all day long. If we can understand the purpose as to why, um, that's a really powerful leadership tool.
0: Yeah. That's good. Very, that's good. I would say too, the whole balance thing. And that's one of the things we, we continually talk about and have conversations about And I think it looks different for, for just different people. And, you know, I think it's okay that when you go, like, if you're going to start up a business or you're, you're really passionate about something and you're going hard, right? You, you, you have to do that, right? You, you need to get that going, but then also in the back of your head though, you also have to realize, okay, when do I have to back off a little bit to breathe, to slow down, or to maybe you know not let it bleed into other relationships where it's you know destructing other things? But having that awareness of doing that, and I, I think that's what you were saying there. And I, I think that's uh, really important for people to understand: is it's okay to have that fire and that go, and I'm going to go 110 miles an hour to get things going. But also be able to, to know when you have to pull back because you don't want it to destroy other things. So I think that was a yeah. great insight there, Josh.
2: What I will say, though, you know, on, on that note is when I was receiving some of that feedback and I made the decision for myself to think about how to you know, slow down because that's not who I want to be. You know, in order to accomplish something great, in order to be different, you kind of have to just be a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love if you can, you I, I mean, I, I think about, you know, not this is, you know, a role model of mine, but I look at someone like Elon Musk and yeah, the yeah. guy does not have an off switch. And if you do that, mm-hmm. you can accomplish great things. And so that's the other question too, is, as I was grappling is how much do I care how other people are, you know, viewing me <laughs> if I believe that I'm actually yeah. doing something that is meaningful. And so that's the, that's the question. And you look at a lot of these, you know, really successful people. That you know they don't have to be well liked. They don't care if they're well liked because, in a sense, that's kind of how, at least in a more competitive business setting, a path to success. I I hope it's not my path to success. Um, but you know th- there there is interesting things to consider where like everything's a sacrifice. Everything is an opportunity mm-hmm. cost.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, on a much smaller scale. I think Jason and I are, that's resonating with Jason and I, as we Mm -hmm. embarked upon this, this little journey with this podcast Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, we, we definitely (laughs) had to create this surge, uh, in order to get this going because we were starting from square one and, and, and didn't know what we were doing. So we had to, uh, we had to ramp it up and try to try to increase that learning curve, um, and, uh, get, get over the hump, so to speak. So. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but we're passionate about it. And we, we uh, believe that there's a good message. And, and so, yeah, that, that's a great, I, I love, I love that message. Totally. It. Totally. Res-
0: it resonates because when you're passionate about something, you're going to have the energy and you're going to want to go do it. And you do, you're, I think Josh, you said it too. You have, you also have to make the decision on, you know, do, is it, is this really important to me? What is important? You know, what is important to me is if this is really important to me, maybe I really don't care about, what other people over here are saying, or I'm not out doing this because I'm going to go, I'm going to go take care of that. Those are, those are constant questions. I think we all have, you know, in our brains rolling around. And so I love that. Hey, can I ask you, Josh, like routines? Like, are you, cause this is one of my favorite questions is like routines. Cause I think there's so much benefits to having routines and being successful and whatever you do, but like What's Josh Miller's routines maybe in the morning or at night or, or whatever?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, these are things that I wish I had better habits at, to be completely (laughs) honest with you. Um, I've, I've tried, I have, you know, went through a period where, you know, I was leaving my phone outside my room and I was trying to read to go to bed every night and I woke up the next morning, very much so refreshed and, and better. Um, but for some reason I, I couldn't stick to it. Um, you know, in, in the morning, I mean, you asked about making my bet. Um, I'm not perfect. I, I, I yep. uh, sometimes, you know, struggle with some of those, those small details. And, you know, of course, you're know, brushing your teeth, trying to make breakfast, trying to do a lot of things. Um, but when things are happening fast and, you know, you, I wouldn't consider myself necessarily someone who loves the morning. I wouldn't consider myself, you know, someone who is just <laughs> incapacitated in the morning. But it takes me a little while to <laughs> kind of get going. And I, I sometimes need that, need that, that extra push. Um, so, in terms of my routines, I would say that I always am trying to get some semblance of physical activity in my day. I really like moving around, um especially here on campus when I can kind of go from building to building for a couple hours here, a couple hours there. I like the change of scenery. um I try to uh, uh, I try to Um, You know, include social elements um, during my day where I really enjoy, you know, grabbing coffee with friends um, and and trying to find ways as well to um, have professionally beneficial conversations for things that I'm working on while also turning those into social um, things so I can kind of kill two birds with one stone there. Um, And of course, you know, going to class is nice. You kind of have a structure already. Um, so I, I, I think I probably don't give myself enough credit for some of my routines because I, I, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm pretty reliable and and stick to them. Um, but in terms of getting up, going to bed, there's, there's more I could be doing for sure.
1: Yeah. I think that's typical. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I think you were going to say the same thing. I think that's relatively typical for, for college students to, like you said, one of the, one of the things you, you hit on is, you know, in a sense you're responsible for yourself right now at this age and there's a lot of freedom that comes with that in terms of how you handle your day and how you structure things so i think that's relatively normal um hey let's talk about uh you know one of the one of the big foundational pieces that that uh we talk about on this um podcast is is mental health um we we try to bring it to the forefront we t- try to try to uh destigmatize it um and just have conversations around what it means to different people um we would love to know your thoughts and insights into uh your philosophies your understanding of mental health primarily from your generation's perspective um mm-hmm. what are you seeing among college students uh your friends um what are kind of you know biases what are what are trends um, how, how, how do you think it, it's different, uh, maybe from, from our generation?
2: Yeah, that's a big question. Um, you know, if in, in a very macro level, Absolutely. I, I yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely been a conversation that's been brought up to the forefront, which is really good. Um, in the sense that, you know, I think people are very understanding and there's a lot more kind of individual trust where if you need a day, if you need to go do something, you, you go take care of it. Um, and, and I think there's a lot you know, less questions being asked about that than there might've been 10, 15 years ago. Um, but I was in around, you know, asking those questions 10, 15 years ago. So, so I don't know. Um, it's it's actually quite interesting when you think about the drivers of, you know, mental well-being as it relates to young people, right, in terms of social media and in terms of, you know, uh, social fabric. And let's talk about those, those two things for a second. Um, mm-hmm. The first one I want to talk about, social fabric. And I don't know if either of you saw there is a research report that was released a couple weeks ago by the Wall Street Journal. And essentially, uh, there were four categories that they were testing on, you know, do people believe they're an important part of their life or not? Um, Mm -hmm. The four things were, if I recall correctly, religion, patriotism, community involvement, and there was one more that's currently escaping my mind. And each of those three elements of, you know, our country's social fabric are at lowest levels ever. It was going like this up until 2019. And then from 2019 to 2023 pandemic, boom, down. And a lot of that is, you know, people are, are, you know, losing a lot of the things that used to bring us together. And not that you have to be religious to be mentally well, not that you, you know, have to be patriotic to be mentally well, but having a sense of belonging and, and pride to something is, is a really important thing. Um, when it comes to mental wellness, because there is going to be a sense of community and a sense of, you know, you're not in this alone. There can be, and and that brings me to my next point. Um, as part of the study, the only value that has increased over the last couple of years and increased pretty dramatically, can you guess what it is?
1: Oh man. The only value that's increased, um, only value. I was going to say, like, does it have something to do with money? Like, like, like money. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's it. And so we are becoming a society that's much more concerned about money than we are about community involvement. And Mm. I believe that that is by no means mutually Mm. exclusive from, let's say, for example, these recent, you know, I'll I'll get into my economics mode for a second. These recent banking crisis, uh, crises where Mm banking crises, um, that we've seen, I mean, banking is an institution that is built on trust. We as a society are not trusting each other so that, you know, when something happens, and this is why I worry for the future of kind of the financial system and of the economy, where if we as a society don't trust each other to do deals, to do business, to interact with, that's going to slow things down significantly. It's going to keep us from finding opportunities. Um that's from a very you know high level macro perspective. Recently, uh, this was this was yesterday, the US Surgeon General came out uh, and said that we are experiencing an epidemic of loneliness. Huh? I mm-hmm. wonder why. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I mean it's 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 the same stuff, and this is exactly what we're getting at with Project 50. Where our mission for Project 50 is to guide organizations on a path where they can do a better job of creating early career experiences for young people entering their organization. Because if you have, I mean, work, the reason the company is called Project 50 is because we are of, and I don't mean for this to be an infomercial by any means, but I think it's very relevant to this conversation, is that the reason the company is called Project 50 is because we believe that only 50% of the reason why somebody has a job is for the financial benefit, but the other half is for everything else that comes with a great job. Learning and development, socialization, a chance to be part of something bigger than yourself, a chance to be connected to a mission, a chance to see a future, to have mentors, all of these things. But what's happening is that post-pandemic, in the return, in the post-pandemic workforce transition, young people are are not getting that latter 50% in their early careers. And so what's happening is it's knocking people off of their career trajectories because they're miserable, first of all, Mm -hmm. um, and and they don't have any of the positive things that come with a really good work experiences for the most part. And so our mission is to help organizations insert that latter 50 percent back into the early career experiences they're providing for young people, because, you know, everybody hopefully is going to have a job, or if you don't, you know, a lot of people do. And that is a real way where people can feel more connected, feel happier by having better working Mm -hmm. experiences. It's one of the only things that we can kind of control. Um, You know, corporations need to be better custodians of their people um, in terms Mm -hmm. of better contributors to the community and that part of your role as an employer is to be a good place for your employees. Um, that's one of your values or one, one of your jobs to do in, in a community. It's not just the products you're providing, it's the work experiences that you're providing. Um, and great organizations are recognizing this. And so good people are going to go to good organizations and we're just going to see a real kind of you know, different, differentiator between organizations that realize this now and those that don't. Um, and, and so that's kind of the employment element of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of that turning out kind of into social media, right. With the, uh, and, and please feel free to, you know, stop me, ask questions. I'm I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this, but, but I hope this is good information. (laughs) Um, you know, as I think about social media, right. And as I think about the effects that, that has on our, you know, mental well-being as a society, but also as a generation, um, you know, there are, especially among, you know, young teenage girls is probably the worst in terms of mental health levels, as it relates to, you know, very sensitive to um, always comparing yourself to others. And, you know, all of the things of unrealistic beauty standards, and stuff that's now, you know, in your mind, in your vernacular, you know, every, every day. Um, that's one element. And then you also just have the, the the format in which content is being fed to you in terms of TikTok algorithms, Instagram reel algorithms. Mm-hmm. I am very mindful of this and still find myself struggling in the sense that our minds are literally being rewired by the mm-hmm. virtue, by the way in which we watch content in six second videos. Um, we are, you know, so in, and there's a lot of science to back this up where we are overloading our brains on, on on dopamine and on kind of quick fixes to our temporary problems that we are losing the ability to actually process hard things that happen to us. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and and you wonder why waiting lists for mental health services are longer than ever. Um, It's, it's pretty crazy. And so I, you know, think about how, how, how do we fix this? And Mm -hmm. I, I, a lot of it comes down to, you know, strong educational systems, strong parenting, strong media literacy so you kind of are thoughtful about the stuff that you're consuming um and just you know continuing to have a strong set of values which you know whether it comes from family or community or religion or whatever um i i worry that we're that we're losing that and 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 so i i am very intrigued to see the long-term ramifications of of what happens um yeah, I, I, I don't know there's, there's no clear answer, but that's how I think about a lot of this stuff.
0: No, I think that's great. And I, it is, it's part of, it's part of our being. And, and that's one of the things that we want to continually share is that it's just your mental health is part of, is, is part of you and it's okay. That's not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing, but it's part of you, but you got to be aware of it and you got to recognize it. And Josh, what you're saying there goes right back to being self-aware, being socially aware of things that are happening, uh, to you and around you. So I think, I think that it's a very valid point. And I think that's something we all need to continually, uh, strive for, uh, so we can continually get better, uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, our mind, body and spirit. I want to go, Josh, you, you, you started touching on social media and this is something, I know you and I went back and forth a little bit and this, uh, I want to talk social media just in general. Like, uh, are you on it? You know, what platforms do you use? Who do you follow? And then I want to get into this whole AI conversation because mm-hmm. you are one that I've been really looking forward to talking about because Kevin and I have been dipping our toes in this whole chat GPT AI stuff for a couple months now. And now how, We're having conversations now in schools, right, about how it's going to transform uh, schools and how teachers and and educators are going to have to look at this different and maybe how it can help them, the pros and cons of it. So first, let's start with just social media in general. What platforms are you on and who do you like to follow there? And then let's get into the whole AI conversation.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, platforms that I spend my time on primarily love Instagram. Well, I wouldn't say love. Use Instagram a lot. Um, Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter is very interesting, kind of what it's gone through over the last year with Elon Musk taking that over. Um, been a lot of you know short term pain potentially, um, and I was very bummed. I, I was lucky enough to have been verified pre Musk, and and uh, he, he, he he took my blue check away. So I was uh, I was bummed about that, not paying the eight dollars out of principle. Um, but I, uh, I, I think it's very interesting, at least what Twitter and Elon Musk is trying to do by making sure that there is, you know, some sort of forum as it relates to free from censorship. But then that gets into the whole issue of our social media platforms, essentially publishers or town squares, so are you responsible for the content that goes on there or, or not? And that's the biggest question that has faced Facebook, Instagram, Twitter over the last several of years. Um, for me, you know, I, given how kind of professionally active I have been, LinkedIn has been a huge value add for me. I, I'm pretty confident that I wouldn't be where I am career-wise without LinkedIn. Um, And, you know, I've amassed a pretty significant following um, on LinkedIn just based on a lot of the exposure that I've had with, you know, writing articles for professional audiences, speaking for professional audiences. And so um, I I really appreciate the reach and the algorithm of of LinkedIn. Um, And, you know, when I want to produce a piece of thought leadership or something like that, I mean, it's not uncommon that something like that can get 30, 40, 50,000 impressions. And so I I, I really appreciate kind of the algorithm. And I, I think there's a lot of high quality content on on linkedin um but then as well i mean with my work working with you know northwestern North golf and the minnesota golf association that's all been on instagram and so instagram has been a really uh, a really powerful um platform as well
0: huh you know that's one of the interesting things because kevin and, uh, kevin and i with this whole two principles podcast we've 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 opened up some social media platforms and one of the things i've noticed it's really hard to organically build a base mm-hmm. and trying to get that out there without, like you said, do I need to, do we need to pay money to get stuff out there and all that stuff? And we just same thing principle. We're like, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to try to build it organically, but it's in, in three months, it's been, it's been tough to get that information out there. And hopefully how does that spread to other people? So those are things that we continually trying to learn too.
2: Well, it's fascinating. And, and the problem is, is that, you know, as somebody that studies journalism and, and media, um, you know, you think about what the world, what social media has done to local news and what it's doing to, mm-hmm. I mean, you, there are a lot of major metropolitan areas in the United States or, you know, mid major that have lost their local papers. And we're mm-hmm. probably not far behind in Minneapolis. And you think about the pros and cons of that, that's potentially really dangerous. And so it's all just about, mm-hmm. you know, how are we getting our information? Um, and you know, the effectiveness of algorithms that are feeding content to people that want to see that types of content, um, the effectiveness of advertising to the right people, uh, it, and just, there's so much white noise because it's so easy to get anything on social media that it's really hard to break through. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes, it is. All right. Let's go into, uh, this, this is a topic that, um, this whole AI topic, it, I want I'm trying to say this in the, the best way that I can. I think it scares people. Number one, uh, there's a fear of it, but at the same time, I'm trying to grapple with it and say, listen, it's, you know, I remember I was, you know, I'm at the age where I remember when the internet, you know, when that came aboard and there was fears about that. And even as simple as I shared this with the, with our staff, uh, the other day, even text messaging when that came out, like, oh my gosh, why would anybody do this? But I mean, AI is something where there are people that are very fearful of it, but then there's also people trying to say, "Okay, how can we use this?" So, I would love to know from your perspective and uh, where you see this going. Because I just having conversation with you on the side, I think this is a very mm-hmm. uh, a topic that you you really enjoy talking about.
2: Yes, um, let's break AI down into three kind of use cases for the purposes of, of this conversation. Let's talk about. Okay education um let's talk about media and let's talk about you know work and kind of the world of corporate and in business um because each of those three things are trying to accomplish very different things and so ai tools can either help or hinder those those goals Let's end with education because I think that's the one I'm gonna want to spend the most the most time on. And I'll walk through kind of how I'm thinking about the other two. Um, first one is I think about AI usage for, you know, enterprise and, and and business and entrepreneurial purposes. For me, it has been I I started my business, you know, having a little bit of shame in using AI because I feel guilty, you know, sending a proposal or something that is um that that uh, you know it was written by someone that's not me. Um, but you Know over time, come to the realization that speed matters, and that if you're not using it to write something, somebody else is going to and they're going to beat you. And so, then the question is, you know, how do you, you know, as somebody that really enjoys writing, and I, I think I'm a good writer. Um, it, it's a little bit worrisome that the skill of writing is no longer really going to be a necessity necessarily. But what is going to be a necessity is knowing what you want to write. And so I have been able to use, you know, a variety of AI tools to essentially like train it into being my personal assistant more or less. So if I need a proposal to write, or if I need to write an email, or if I need to, you know, write website copy or something, I kind of can, you know, do that using an AI tool. Um, and so that has been really good from kind of a time-saving perspective. Uh, now moving over to kind of media and journalism, and there are a lot of interesting conversations happening here at Northwestern, uh, the journalism school, about what is the role of AI in in media. Um, you know, in, in terms of how do they teach about AI in in media. Um, as I think about some of the biggest issues that are plaguing journalism in America, a lot of it is that there is simply not enough financial resources to pay for reporters to go and cover enough things. And that is leading to the demise of you know local news. And so I think about AI as a potential cure for that because the hard part about journalism is not the writing. It's the fact finding and kind of the angle gathering. And so if you can use AI as a tool to make it much quicker to write articles, but you are guiding, you know, what is the article being written? I think there's a lot of good things that could potentially happen. The problem as well is that the way that AI and ChatGPT works is that it's not sentient. It's not human. It picks the next word based upon the probability that it should be the next word. And so it Mm can't hallucinate. It can make up information. So I do worry a little bit about about misinformation. um, But, but, You know, there are a lot of other things that are we should worry about in terms of misinformation as well, in terms of people having um, alternative agendas as to how we should be thinking. But third, and this is where I'm really intrigued, is AI in education, because the question is that how early and I think the problem is how early are people being exposed to using AI, whether they can use it as a crutch to not develop the requisite skills to be able to communicate effectively. Mm -hmm. That's what worries me about young kids using AI. Um, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I, I think that's an interesting conversation to have, but, you know, on the other end of that coin, AI tools are only going to become more prevalent and more useful. Um, and so it's not that different for me potentially than, you know, what a calculator might've been 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and so that's the other kind of side of that coin. Um, I think that there are ways that schools are going to have to be creative in terms of evaluating people um, where you know we can't necessarily do take-home essays anymore a lot of stuff might have to be mm-hmm. in person in class uh, it might have to be presentation it might have to be, which honestly should be happening more anyway um, and uh, I, I think we're gonna have to get creative about how we evaluate bringing chat gpt into the picture so um, I, I kind of view education, there should not be rules into resources that you can, can't use. If school is really going to be relevant in preparing you for the, the real world, at least at an age after, you know, basic skills have been taught. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's find ways to evaluate people in ways that are relevant.
1: I think that is such a good comparison with the calculator. That, that's so relevant. I mean, it makes so much sense. It's the calculator is a tool. I, I can I can multiply these two, you know, three digit numbers together and I can get my 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 answer. Um, okay. but I still need to have the foundational knowledge of what it means to multiply. Um whereas just with the AI, um part of the success that you're going to experience with using the AI is still on is, is understanding how to uh, formulate your thought so that you get the best result possible. I mean, yeah, Jason and I have, I mean, just barely <laughs> dipped our toes into it and I'm blown away. I'm blown mm-hmm. away with just in a very short period of time, the level of um, specific specificity that we've gotten by, creating better questions or better prompts um it's amazing and it's only really is
2: and it's only it's only going to get better too the interesting part kind of from like a tech company perspective is that you look at google and their whole business is you know people paying for position on like a, a google search page yeah and so the question is the economics of ai and ai for search um in terms of Who is the product? Who's paying Mm. who? What dollars are being exchanged? All things that I've been thinking about as it relates to what does AI look like? Um, And and then the other thing kind of from a a macro level, it was six months ago where we had the cryptocurrency crash for the most part. Mm. And I'm still not completely forgiven the world of venture capital in Silicon Valley for letting that happen. And uh, Mm. I I get hesitant about a lot of the over-evaluation. I mean, AI is a bubble. There's no doubt about it. The question is, where is the value coming from?
0: Hmm. That pulls, yeah, that's, that
1: is a great question. Hmm. Let's, uh, shift a little bit. I want to talk about leadership. Um, I just want to know what does leadership mean to you? Um, how do you, in your, your perspective, your world, how are you building and sustaining a positive culture? Um, what are some of the challenges that you see, uh, facing leaders um, you know, we talked a little bit about burnout and jobs, and you're certainly mentioning you know the the correlation with your project fifty. Um, yeah, just talk a little bit about leadership.
2: Yeah, uh, I have you know i i'm I'm learning every day when it comes to leadership, and what I'm really enjoying about this these current entrepreneurial entrepreneurial ventures that I am. Um, undertaking is that it allows me the chance to develop some of those leadership skills. And I'm not perfect. I have certainly made mistakes Um, and, and, you know, really reflecting on what I have been doing has been really helpful. I, I, what I would say to answer your question directly is that I've come to the conclusion that leadership is simply a function of individual relationships with people that you're trying to lead. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not that much more complicated than that. And that if everybody feels that they can come to you, that they can trust you, um, that you are going to be empathetic and listen to them. Um, and then how do you actually show that instead of just say that, that those are those are all things that I have really been trying to consider and, and, and learn from, and learn from, you know, failed experiences trying to, to do that. Um, there's also the, tra- the the question of, you know, things need to happen when something isn't happening as a leader. What's your style? Um, how do you kind of develop what I like to call the, the velvet hammer, right? Um, because great leaders have a velvet hammer where they deliver hard news, they do what they have to do, but make it do it so in, in, in a way that, um, you know, isn't doesn't leave a bad taste in, in people's mouths. Um yeah, I in terms of leadership for for me it's about, you know, I I'm currently trying to really develop some leadership role models and how they operate and and be comfortable, you know, in myself as 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 a leader.
1: That's good. Where do you see yourself in 5, 10, 15, 20 years?
2: Um, you know, hopefully doing stuff like what I'm doing now, but at a much larger scale. Um, whether it is, you know, in, advising and playing a role in, you know, global multinational corporations, whether it is, um, whether, whether it is uh, being an investor and an operator in really interesting companies that I care a lot about, um, all that kind of, you know, what drives me is really being able to, um, you know, have a little bit of control over the things that actually matter in this world so that we can sort of you know shape the the world and 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 not to get too you know yeah um, you know up in the clouds on you but so that we can kind of shape society in the way that we think it should be shaped um and and do that in ways that are really positive and in ways that are beneficial and so you think a lot about you know the intertwinement of money and power and influence and wanting those things for the right reasons and I think that as I go along and I I I, I develop my career, I'm going to right now, you know, focus on getting myself in positions where I can go and do those things um, and continuing to be really prepared for, you know, situations and conversations that have a lot of stake for them.
0: Hmm. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Well, I think it's good to have, it's good to have Josh. I mean, I think that's one thing I would share with any, you know, I don't care if you're, if you're in high school or even, even in the middle school ages or whatever, but always thinking ahead, yes, be present where you are now, but always thinking ahead, shoot, have those goals, have those things in mind that you're going to continually strive for and have, be passionate about. And that's one thing I'm, I, that's just clearly coming through, uh, that I'm hearing from you is that passionate, uh, going after your passions, going after that drive and just in doing that, but having goals. And, and even if they are, you know, crazy goals, put them out there and, and go after them. And I just think that is great advice and, um, great, a great mindset to have to continually grow that growth mindset. Uh, so you can continually get better, uh, at what you're doing. So I love that. And I love that you're, you're, you're thinking that way, that, that forward thinking. So
1: Kevin, do you want to ask this next question? Yeah. Yeah. You, you've mentioned, you've touched a little bit on this. Um, but role model, role models and mentors. Um, Hey, you know, clearly you've had a lot of individuals who've impacted you, but has there been, you know, one or two that you've worked with uh, closely, you know, for an extended period of time that have um, really played a significant role into where you're at today?
2: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, I, I I look at that as one of the biggest, you know, positives or negatives of a work situation that I'll be in in the future is are there those those people around me that I I can look to and will I be happy being like you? if I continue along this path. Um, mm-hmm. So really good question. Um, you know, right now, I, I I haven't necessarily had enough, you know, deep work experiences that, that I, I don't know if it, it would come from, you know, um, a, a, a somebody from work. Um, but what I would say is that in terms of what I look for role models, it's how do you really live a a, a strong and fulfilling life? Um, and so I look at, you know, my parents and grandparents, frankly, um, mm-hmm. that have really, you know, strong families and careers. And we're able to set up, you know, a, a situation where, you know, somebody like me can go and live in that situation and be very, you know, happy and, and successful from that. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day, that's what it's all about.
0: That's great. Can I want to go back to one thing you said to Josh and it, it, it just jumped in my head here as you were talking about role models and things like that and and mentors but um, I think I don't think I know a lot of kids are afraid of failure they're afraid of failing and trying new things and you've said that early on early on as we were talking to you but I think as we go through life you have to be okay with understanding you're going to, you, you're going to fail and, and, and trying things, even if you're afraid, because that's how you're going to learn and grow. And what I'm hearing you in, in what you've been doing since, you know, fourth grade is you've just kind of had that mindset. You're going to just keep going and, um, try things. And if it doesn't work, uh, that's okay. But that, just that mindset, um, it just really it speaks to me as I'm, as I'm hearing you, uh, Talk today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I'm 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 glad that that's hopefully you know come come through. One of the things I, I really try to live by is you've got to put yourself in positions to fail. Um, and and the the mm-hmm. hardest part is getting in the room and getting in the mm-hmm. right positions. And I look at everything you know as a learning opportunity, where you know it's it's certainly difficult to experience failure. Um, and it's not something that we should be actively trying to experience because, I, I mean, failure is not good. I, I mean, you shouldn't. Right. you know. Yeah. I, I, I think we have a little bit of a weird fetish as a society where like we love to hype up failure. Um, but it's really OK to reflect on failure and think about, you know, why did that happen? and then learn from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's so, and it is certainly okay to fail. Um, as long as, you know, there weren't faulty reasoning that was going into it. And as long as we can learn from that faulty reasoning. Um, and, and so it, I, it, I, it, it it's interesting kind of a, my relationship with, with failure and still how I approach it. I'm still trying to work through it and think about, you know, risk mm-hmm. levels and things that I'm comfortable taking.
0: Yeah, love it. It's great. Hey, let's talk a little bit about um, <laughs> food. Are you are you a, are you a foodie at all? You like food?
2: I do like food. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, food it's the same. If it's a steak from a rest, fancy restaurant or a hamburger from a McDonald's, so foodie. I don't know if it, it's the best way to describe me. <laughs> so
0: um, what, but what I, what? I, I like okay, food. So- sure. So, okay. When you're at, when you're off there at, uh, on the campus there, beautiful campus of, uh, Northwestern, what, 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 what's the food? What's, what, what do you, what's your go-to if you had a go-to there at, at, uh, at school, what would it be?
2: Yeah. Um, a go-to in terms of, you know, going out and grabbing food. I, am a big Chipotle fan. I think Chipotle has done mm. a fantastic job. Um, healthy filling, not too expensive, but like, um, it, it, it's, it's mm. great. Uh, and then, you know, at home, I've really kind of been into uh, Trader Joe's uh, 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 here recently. It's, it's a really good, um, you know, it's place for someone, college student, a lot of individual kind of things, you know, frozen food, stuff like that. Um, so I, I'm no, by no means a gourmet chef or anything, but I've certainly uh, I, at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm still in college, still learning how to still learning how to live. So uh, that's that's kind of the extent of my of my food.
1: Are you living yeah, that, in a house or yeah, apartment yeah. or, you, okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. I got a house. There's, uh, there's, there's six of us in there. So uh, it's, it's okay. fun, but uh, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly interesting.
1: You guys aren't oh, having, Lord, you, you aren't yeah. having Sunday night uh, family dinners at the house. <laughs>
2: Home yeah. Yeah. Dinners? We'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll do that every once in a while, yeah. but again, it's just, it, it's tough. Everyone's so busy. It gets back to what yeah. I was saying. You kind of got to, you know, plan, plan for that and act that out
0: for sure. Yeah. All right, we've got two more questions here for you, uh, Josh, and we again appreciate so much your time and just the the insight that you're sharing with our listeners and with us too. I, I love mm-hmm. it. So, if somebody's new to um, maybe just kind of leadership, entrepreneurial, they're kind of maybe yeah, I want to kind of check things out. What is Josh Miller? What are what are your favorite leadership, entrepreneurial resource books, podcasts, people, apps, whatever it may be? What what are some that you would recommend? to others?
2: You just got to do it. You can read as much as you want. You can listen as much as you want. You can plan out as much as that. you want. You, you just got to try and you'll learn by doing that. Um, and and that's kind of what I've come to the, to the conclusion of um, is that, you know, it's always good to reflect and, and, and ideate and do all these things, but like, go learn by doing and, and that's how you're going to learn.
0: Experience life is what you're saying. Just go yeah. experience life. Go do it. Go live life. I love
2: that. <laughs> and then, if you That's want to still great. read those books, they'll be more relevant to you after you've tried.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm going to ask one more question, and it kind of leads into what you just said. I'm going to, get, I'm going to, I'm going to force you to be a little bit more specific, perhaps. Okay, what is one piece of the, the question? Would be what is one piece of advice that that listeners could could uh, take advantage of? Um, if they wanted to move in the right direction in their personal life journey. Yeah. Now you're um, saying just go and do them... it.
2: Yeah. So in, in terms of that specific question, um, yeah. for, 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 for me, the biggest thing is to think so critically and, and 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 spend so much time on relationships for the sake of relationships for two reasons. One. It makes you happy if you actually build strong relationships. At the end of the day, just like leadership is a function of your relationships with your team, you as a person are a function with who you spend time with. Um, and, and so that is crucial. And so set the stage. I mean, lay the seeds for relationships now that could, you know, really pay into a uh, blossom into something really important. Um, whether it's, you know, I, I talk about, for example, you know, my future career in entrepreneurial in, endeavors. One of the reasons why I'm, I'm so excited to kind of start my career at a you know, larger organization is because of the relationships that I will be able to make with my peer group. Um, with among people who are all going down similar career journeys, we all might take different turn, twists and turns here and there, but like if I ever need anything, if for example, I'm trying to go and, you know, raise money or for whether it's for an organization or for a company, um, like it's just easier to do that when you have those relationships set. And so always relentlessly be thinking about your network and who your friends are and the value that you bring to your friends in terms of, you know, being someone enjoyable to be around. But also, you know, what can you bring to them to ask the right questions and help them, you know, uh, and and help them think about things and experience things that they may not have if you weren't a part of their life. Um, and, and so that's, that's how I think about a really important, a really important component is setting the stage for really strong relationships. That's great. That's great. It's fantastic.
1: I think that's, uh, I think that's it. I, I just, I I could keep talking to you, man. Like I'm learning so much here's, I just want to point this out. There's two things that I'm taking away from you, Josh, from, in this conversation that I think more young people need to be aware of and, and implement. Those two things are, uh, your intentionality. I'm, I'm just, I'm getting this sense of you're a very intentional person. Um, which I just think lends itself to being more successful. Um, and the other piece, um, is I feel like since fourth grade and probably even before fourth grade, you have taken advantage of opportunities that have presented themselves to you like the opportunity to be part of the program that eventually led you to uh, meeting with, uh, uh, Buffett, right. There were other students in that school, but somehow you took advantage of the opportunity that was presented to you. And I feel like that has been a theme in, in the, in your, you know, the story of your life that you've shared in the last hour and a half. Um, I feel like you are somebody who has done a really, really good job at, at capitalizing on opportunities. And I don't think young people do that enough. So I just think that's fantastic. So mm-hmm. we want to thank you, Josh, um, again, taking the time out of your, your schedule. I know you're busy there. Um, this has been an absolute uh, joy for me to, to learn from you and, and, uh, get insight from, um, somebody doing something that, that I've never done <laughs> and it's just been phenomenal. And I know I've taken some nuggets uh, from this conversation and I know our listeners are too. So uh, again, thank you so much.
2: Amazing. Well, thank you both. This is, this is a lot of fun and I uh, think you guys are building something very cool here.
0: Josh, Hey, I got one, one last thing and we'll put this in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, but where can listeners connect with you and find you on social media business? I mean, anything that you want, We'll put in the in the show notes for people. Uh, but just where can people connect with you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I would say is if, if probably find me on on LinkedIn is where I am the most active. Just Josh Miller. Um, and you'll probably be able to find me. Um, and on Twitter uh, as well. Um, and I'll, I'll find what my handle is. I think it's Josh Miller. Oh, uh, one. If I had to, if I had to guess. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I think that's it. Feel free to check out what we're building at project 50. Um, and I, uh, just have enjoyed spending the time with you both and kind of, you know, really thinking through a lot of these questions and hopefully, uh, hopefully offering something a little bit different.
0: Oh, you that's totally cool. did. And, um, just super excited for our listeners to hear uh you and, and i'm excited it's been fun watching you continually uh grow up um and do things and so if you're around this summer you're always invited over to the Paris house for uh, you know a famous barbecue on the deck so anytime you're around this summer you just swing on by uh, I will, I will make, uh, some good, uh, barbecue food for you and we'll, we'll have a good time and maybe let's go hit the golf course too this summer, Josh. But we'll I love it. Blake out there and he can shank his drives off right and <laughs> shank him off the left and I, we can raz him a little bit. <laughs> Amazing. 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 You know what he'll, t- you know, what he'll tell me though, he'll, he'll tell me like, dad, you're swinging like a grandpa. So I have to, you know, but I got it when I can jab him, I got to give him a couple jabs. So Josh, again, so much appreciate your time. Our listeners are just in for a treat. Um, and uh, again, wishing you all the best in, in what you're doing and just giving back and all that cool stuff. So again, uh, much gratitude to you, my friend, and uh, good luck as you wrap up uh, your junior year here at Northwestern.
2: Great. Thank you, guys. All right.
1: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
0: We appreciate you hanging out with the Two Principals today as we continue on this journey towards a healthier and happier you, one step at a time, one conversation at a time. We would love for you to follow, subscribe, and rate, review our podcast wherever you listen. And we are so grateful for your support. As always, please follow us on all of our social media accounts at Two Principals. You can find us on the web at twoprinciples.com. Questions for Kevin or myself, email us at twoprinciplespodcast at gmail.com.
1: As always, thanks for raising your frequency today and looking inward, wishing you peace and happiness on your journey. Remember, a better you makes for a better today. It starts with you. Until next time, get out of your head and into your heart.